our first Williamsburg studio was in the basement and there was a spring where we had a ton of snowstorms and then all of it melted and then it rained for like a week straight. The entire studio flooded. It cost us $20,000, which was a huge amount of money to us at the time. We had to replace all the floors, all the electrical. We had to redo basically the entire studio because of a flood. You're listening to Financial Grown Up with me, certified financial planner, Bobby Rebel, author of How to Be a Financial Grown Up. And you know what? Being a grown up is really hard, especially when it comes to money. But it's okay. We're going to get there together. I'm going to bring you one money story from a financial grown up, one lesson, and then my take on how you can make it your own. We got this. Hey, grownups, if you are like me, you love to read, but if we're being honest, it doesn't happen. The time just flies and the intention does not become reality. So do what I do. Get the intel you want in a way that matches your schedule. I recently started using the Blinkist app and I love it. It puts the content of books that you want to read into powerful summaries called blinks, usually just a minute at a time. A whole book can be 15 minutes-ish, just like this podcast, right on your favorite device. Text or audio totally fits your lifestyle. I am obsessed. Go to bobbyrebell.com forward slash Blinkist for a free trial and to support the show. Boutique fitness is a super fast growing, but very competitive industry. And I am really excited to bring you one of the breakout stars of the business. Sarah Larson Levy has a lot to teach all of us about solving problems and the importance of tenacity and facing adversity. You may have seen her on the cover of Inc. Magazine, where she was featured when her yoga company, Y7 Studio, was named one of the magazine's most inspiring companies last year. And by the way, in case you're wondering what Y7 is, Y7's name is inspired by the body's seven chakras or energy centers. Welcome everyone. And for those of you new to the show here on the Financial Grown-Up Podcast, we talk to high achievers who share their stories and their big life-changing money moments, along with lessons that we can all take from those experiences, plus everyday money tips. We are so glad that you are joining us. And I'm so happy to bring you guys this interview. I personally have gone to Y7 Studios around New York City. They are very different from your everyday yoga classes and in a very cool way. You kind of have to try them, so I recommend it to fully get it. But think hip-hop yoga in a dark room, lit with candles, and as you can tell from the fact that it's hip-hop, very cool music, and just kind of an awesome vibe with the instructors. But before there was Namaste and magazine covers for Sarah, there were days of having to rent studio space literally by the hour, going over budget on towel cleaning, and even floods with no insurance. Hmm. Sometimes there's just not a lot of zen to being an entrepreneur. But now she is thriving and sharing her experiences with us. Here is Sarah Larson Levy. Hey, Sarah Larson Levy. You're a financial grown-up. Welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I am excited to have you because I am a total fan of your company, Y7. You didn't know this until two minutes ago when we were chatting, doing audio levels, et cetera, but I am a client. I absolutely love, it's a yoga studio chain growing in New York. And where else are you? LA right now. 
And I'm going to do a little brag for you. You were on the cover of Inc. Magazine. I was. I know. <laughs> and one of America's fastest growing companies. You were number 80. What was that like? It was crazy. It was totally unexpected, you know, compared to a lot of other amazing startups. You know, we have a relatively small physical footprint and a really tiny team that's doing everything behind the scenes. So it was a total shock to us to even make it in the 100 and a really incredible surprise to be chosen for the cover. We're going to circle back to talk more about where you are now and where you go next, but I want to go back to the roots of this company because it was actually a side hustle. And a lot of our listeners have side hustles that they aspire to be businesses. So tell us your money story. How did Y7 start as the side hustle that then became this growing company? I actually was really unsatisfied with the yoga experiences that I was having throughout the city. It left me feeling really frustrated and sort of lacking in what I was looking for. I wanted something where I could still move and sweat and get a really great workout in, but at the same time, get sort of that mental clarity that you know is touted for yoga. I just really couldn't find that. So I decided to start my own place to practice. Let's take it back a little. So you're working in the fashion industry. You're married. You're in Brooklyn. You've got a job. You're busy. You're living your life. Most people, if they're not happy, they're going to fill out a form, a feedback form. You instead start a pop-up. How does this happen and where does the money come from? Because you're 20-something. How old are you now? I'm 32 now. I was 26 at the time. So most 26-year-olds are dealing with other financial things. How did you literally start this? Where did the money come from? What did you do? The money came from my job. I have always been really good at saving, but it was really just supposed to be a pop-up at first, right? So we found a super, super cheap space. We hired teachers off of Craigslist who were willing to work just to get the teaching experience. And that was kind of it. And as soon as we realized that this was going to be a thing, that there were other people who resonated with the kind of yoga that we were providing, that's when I started looking for a little bit more of a permanent space. Because the thing is that one of the things, and I know this as a student, the space is unique. Can you talk a little bit about that? And and also, how do you pay for that, especially in a pop-up? Because there's a heat element to it. You The studios are, are darkened. They're, it's a very different atmosphere. So there's definitely some investing that has to go on when you set up a space. Yeah. I think for us, we really knew what we wanted. And we were lucky enough to find a space that already didn't have windows. We brought in our own heaters and we rented it out by the hour. So this space was actually a very large recording studio that was not used during morning hours on the weekends. And that's where we went in. I think that's interesting because a lot of people don't think about that option to rent by the hour when you're starting a business. They might think you have to sign a lease for a longer period of time or commit to a space. You were able to manage your costs that way. Absolutely. So then how does it go? You have this pop-up. How are you getting the word out and how do you start expanding and funding that expansion? It was all word of mouth. We would go out at like four, five AM and just flyer all over Williamsburg and Brooklyn where the first location was. And that's how people came in. And that was really all we did. It was all Instagram, Facebook, and flyering around the neighborhood. We didn't have budget for anything. There was no budget to spare. Everything was being funded by my job and my husband's job at the time. How did you get it to the next level? And when do you feel you kind of reached a critical point where you started thinking, this is really a thing and I might leave my job to do it? Because a side hustle doesn't always evolve. Right. And it took a while. 
what's so great about New York is it's one of the few places where you can find a space that's willing to do a month to month or maybe do a split tenant kind of thing. So we found a small 300 square foot space in an artist loft. All of the little suites were around 300 square feet. We paid a very, very small amount. Everything was included. And we started out that way. It was the studio room could only fit 10 people maximum. And that's how we ran classes. We ran classes for a day before work and after work. I worked the front desk morning and night. My husband and I would switch off. The teachers were paid per student. So it was all dependent on them really getting the word out about their classes and bringing people in. And we operated like that for a good nine months before we grew out of that space. Then we were fortunate enough to find another month-to-month space where we didn't really need to lay all this money out for security. And we were fortunate enough where the business was starting to generate enough cash that we could continue to float the business. But that was it, which is the reason I continued working up until the spring of 2015. So a good two years after we opened the studio. What kind of conversations were you and your husband having about money while this is going on? What was it like? It was interesting. It was the first time either of us had operated a business on sort of a retail level. So, you know, we didn't really know what we were doing, but I felt really confident that I didn't want to put classes on the schedule or do things around the studio that would put the vision of the experience in jeopardy. So I wanted to always make sure we could pay rent, pay the teachers, and also continue not to put pressure on ourselves so we could still, you know, do the things we wanted and have both really. Looking back, what is the best thing you did in terms of financial decisions with a business and what's something that maybe you would do differently? That's a tough one because I love I love our journey so much. I think it's super interesting and an ode to really the fact that you can self-fund a business. We didn't take on private equity funding until we were six studios in. And that was a choice on our part. It was definitely a little bit stressful. But it was a choice we made so we could really hone the experience and not bring on partners who just had ideas to make more money, have a better cash flow. And we were able to preserve the experience of the business. So so we included mat and towel at first, and our laundry expenses were really, really high. I would have started charging for those immediately because we always felt a pinch around that. But other than that, I you know I can't really see doing it another way. How did things change when you did take outside funding? So we decided to take on outside funding to really be able to sign nicer spaces. If anyone has ever been to the Flatiron Studio or the Union Square Studio, those were studios that I painted the walls. I was the one on Craigslist finding people who could throw up a devising wall. We did all the electrical, like it was, we, you know, would commission people to build the front desk or things like that. So it was super, super bootstrapped. And the more people that were coming in and out of the studio, we really wanted to have a little bit nicer amenities because it is hot yoga. We wanted to be able to have showers if we needed to. And those things were really, really expensive. Uh, so taking on capital for us was a way to really open the doors to higher end retail spaces and have the money to invest in the build outs. What is the lesson from your story for our listeners, especially those that maybe have side hustles that they aspire to leave their jobs to do full time? 
I would say be realistic. It is totally okay to do two things at once. And it's important. That way you don't lose sight of what your actual vision is. I think that if you're stressed about your personal finances, you're always going to be looking for ways to have your business make more money, right? Because you're feeling the pressure personally of like, oh my gosh, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? And I think that's when you people tend to like lose the passion for their business because it becomes more of like, it's not growing fast enough. It's not doing what I want it to fast enough. And a lot of good concepts take time and they take consistency to work. So I would say just be really realistic and don't assume anything when you're planning. Don't assume things are going to work out exactly the way you want. There's always going to be hiccups and you have to be ready to combat that. Is there an example of a hiccup that you can share? Oh, yeah, of course. Our first Williamsburg studio was in the basement and there was a spring where we had a ton of snowstorms and then all of it melted and then it rained for like a week straight. The entire studio flooded. It cost us $20,000, which was a huge amount of money to us at the time. We had to replace all the floors, all the electrical. We had to redo basically the entire studio because of like a flood. And that's something oh that I, I didn't, I, I never, I don't know. I'd never lived anywhere with the base. I don't know. It just didn't occur. It didn't occur to me. And I was like, Oh, okay. I was like, uh, I guess we have to close and do all this stuff. And then we had to get like a mold check and like just all of these things that you don't even think of. So that was something that I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Oh my gosh. Did you have yeah. insurance? Did you have insurance? Not at the time. <laughs> okay. But now you do. Yeah, that is right. Lesson, <laughs> lesson learned. <laughs> Tell us your everyday money tip. You're big on bringing your lunch with you. No buying lunch out. Oh, I'm huge. Well, I used to all the time, purely out of convenience. I was like, I'm a big Postmates girl. I'm postmating everything. And then all of a sudden I was looking at my credit card bill. I was like, what am I spending so much money on? Everything was adding up. Once you do the delivery fee, you add the tip. It's, I was spending like $30 on lunch every single day and it just adds up. So now I make a point where every Monday, I'm very lucky Whole Foods is directly across the street from our office. So I stop at Whole Foods every Monday. I'll grab like lettuce, vegetables, chicken, whatever it is. So I have enough and I bring it to the office and I stick it in the fridge. And it's basically like I have enough at the office to make lunch for myself every day. It takes so much pressure off of like making sure I order with enough time before I have to go to a meeting, being really stressed about it. It's here. I can make it when I need it. And I'm set for the week. Before we wrap up, I want to hear more about your plans for Y7 and then where everyone can find out more. Okay. So we are currently in New York and LA. We are looking to expand this year to Chicago. So we are slated for a fall opening if there are no, you know, unexpected hiccups. No floods. Uh, no floods. <laughs> no more floods. You have insurance now though, so it's okay. And we will never go into a basement space again. So that as well. But um, we're slated for Chicago in the fall, which is really, really exciting. It's a city I've been looking to get into for quite some time. And then we have a couple more locations in LA, teed up, as well as other boroughs in New York. Well, I can't wait. Where can people find out more about Y7 and share your socials? Yeah. So it is, you can, if you want to check out a class or the website, it is y7-studio.com. And our Instagram is at y7studio.
Great. Thank you so much, Sarah. Yeah. Thanks, Bobby. Thank you for having me. Before we get to my take on the interview, I have some exciting news to share with everyone. I recently became totally obsessed with an app. It is called Blinkist. It summarizes books to just about 15 minutes. Yeah, kind of like this podcast, about 15 minutes. In fact, you can even listen to one minute chunks at a time. They call them blinks. So now I have been cruising through several books a day at a time and loving it. So much so that I actually reached out to Blinkist and was able to bring them on board as a partner to the Financial Grownup Podcast because I want you guys to have this too. I know how precious your time is. Please use my link, bobbyrebell.com forward slash Blinkist. You'll get a free trial and then report back to me what your favorite Blinks are so I can thank you for supporting the show. Again, the link is bobbyrebell.com forward slash Blinkist. Let me know how you like it. Here we go. Financial grown-up tip number one, create additional stakeholders in your projects. Sarah empowered her initial round of teachers by paying them per student. So the first win is that it saved Sarah on her costs. But the even more important thing it did was it rewarded the teachers for the impact that they made on the business. The more students they could bring, the more they made. Financial grown-up tip number two, buy insurance if you need it. Sarah blew it at first on this one. The flood sounds like it was a nightmare. Insurance would have cushioned the blow. If you are not already, please make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. If you have a moment, a review would mean the world to us. And please follow on all the social channels on Instagram at BobbyRebel1, on Twitter at BobbyRebel. And please DM me if you have guest suggestions or topics that you want to hear covered on the podcast. And if you have a chance, definitely check out a Y7 studio. They are awesome. Big thanks to Sarah Larson-Levy for helping us all be financial grownups. Financial Grown Up with Bobby Rebel is edited and produced by Steve Stewart and is a BRK Media production.